Hello and welcome to Business Without My name's Dominic Frisby and Ori Clark is perhaps the only single-branded multidiscipline practice in the UK. So what does that mean? That means it is basically a legal and an accountancy firm. And Andy Ori is the partner and he's the founder of this podcast. And Andy made the, the observation that so many of the firm's clients are doing fantastically interesting things that he wanted to find a way to share these people and these things with a wider audience. And the result was this podcast. So Andy, hello. And who have we got on the show today? Thank you, Dominic. Very, very fine introduction. Uh, we are joined here by the illustrious Tom Best, auctioneer at Christie's, one of the youngest ever auctioneers in its 250-year history, has now started his own business, trying to break out auctions, pop up auctions all over London for emerging and unrepresented artists and, uh, and uh, a, a lot of uh, people who perhaps wouldn't have been able to experience an auction before, called the Auction Collective. And he stopped by on his way to an auction. Uh, how's it going, Tom? It's very well, yeah. Very good. And, uh, w- w- you know, what do you think I- I- auctions, uh, uh, they feel interesting to people? Is it, is it something you find people are particularly attracted to or particularly interested in? I find um, it, sound, it, it sounds a bit commercial to say this and kind of boiling down the romantic notion of an auction. It's the only retail experience where the negotiation is fun. Wow. And it's negotiating up. Can you think of any other place where you go to buy a product and you think, right, I'm going to I'm going to pay for something and the the person who's selling it to me has just said, would you pay more money than this person? And you punch the air and you go, yes, yes I will. And they get so excited about it. And actually, where do you hit something which I always find interesting is the English don't really negotiate. I mean, Kiwis, Scottish, you know, Indians, most countries, or a lot of countries, will ne- they'd love to negotiate. And, and the English, if you ask us a price, we give you a price. And I've calculated into that the fact that your f- my best friend introduced you and, you know, it's how much I cost, you know. And I mean, what's the history of auctions? Is it, is it, did it start in a defined moment in time or? Well, it's one of the oldest forms of, of selling. If you've got a product and you've got someone who's going to pay more money than someone else, you're going to get them to pay for it. And then you're going to encourage the other person to, to go further. Yes. Actually, in many ways, it makes more. So, okay. So an auction works on the basis of there's a marketplace. There's more than one person who wants to buy it. Exactly. That's where the price goes exactly. up. Exactly. What's it, what's it like to, to, when you were first involved in Christie's, is it, it it's a tremendous buzz, I imagine? Oh, you know, such a buzz. It's incredible. <laughs> it's like this, it's just, be- I'm, a, I'm just going to confess now that I'm a total, <laughs> quite scary. sorry, I'm a total auction geek. I'm biased for auctions. I'm, I just love Do you them. buy stuff at auction? Yeah. There's a few um, tricks and not tricks, ways you get trained to make sure you get the most amount of money for your vendor so you can keep getting more and more bids. And I've learned all of these. I was trained up at Christie's. Tell us some of them. Yes, yes. Tell us some. some and of just them. off the wall bids, does that really happen? Uh, below the reserve. So you have a minimum price. Yeah. And to generate some enthusiasm, you can... You know, what's it? Sorry, off the wall bid means so a made up. So bid. nobody bid. He, it's he the wall bidding. Yeah. So, you, so you take the bids <laughs> off the back wall to try and generate excitement, but that's only done, only done below the minimum price, and you can't sell it below the minimum. Is price. it legal? Below, it's, even it's below legal. the reserve. Yeah, but above the reserve, it's oh, not legal. absolutely not. It's it's generating that bit more excitement, adding a bit more theatre. It's not you're not kind of lying and tricking people and, and doing anything like that. But it's but as soon as you get the selling bid. So as soon as you hit the reserve, the minimum price, then 
you, you obviously can't. How this important is... is the intro? You know, when you say oh, it's a very nice piece, it's uh, originally a Louis Vuitton. Um, the intro is is good. Uh, you need to. Did you hype it up? Like, I'm sort of curious if you yeah, get a better you're, result. You're, if you're, you're like, selling. here it is, King Henry the Sixth. No one's, you know, the Del Boy approach. Or is it better to be like, well, it's King Henry Lot Twelve? Off we go. I no, guess it you... depends on your audience. Yeah. There's something quite exciting as someone who's... I bought my first house in an auction, but there's something quite exciting about having the auctioneer point at you and make eye contact with you oh. and go, would you like to up your offer? I mean, it, it is, right. even if you're just being... It's a you feeling know, of power. It is, and it's a bit... I, I make the, When I heard you talking about off-the-wall bids, it's a bit like... Um, you know, the comedian being the guy that the comedian talks to in the audience who sort of becomes the centre of the show for a moment. Now, some people hate that, but I'm, I'm also minded of a story um, of, of Ken Dodd, who was dying once mm. upon a time in a, you know, in front of 3,000 people. And he invented uh, heckles from the front row and said, what did you say? No, don't call me this. And then, and invented a conversation. <laughs> and there's sort of two or three rows around him are going, what? That didn't happen. But the rest of the room think Ken Dodd's just some done some brilliant heck or put down or some brilliant heck oh. thing. And he wins the whole rest of the room back. So that off the wall, you know, it's a way of manipulating the audience. Well, it's, it's, it's group and, mentality, isn't it? In yeah. public, your, your, your power in an auction is that well, it's, people... In, in particularly when the spotlight is suddenly thrown in me, like you feel the power of the sort of the sort of the attention on me is is that you can make people panic. You it, you can make people do everything. It's, a, it's it's a bit like if someone's on the telephone, you can ask them, pass me that, give me your car keys. They yeah, there's a huge amount of theatre, and you see it with sometimes you know, doing charity auctions. So uh, somebody's gala dinner, you might have. Um, I think this is one of the, the key skills for auctioneering is being able to read people and being able to be read. Sometimes you'll see a bidder in a, in a fundraising dinner, so it's all fun and games. Um, you'll go up to them and say, would you, you know, would you like to go to the next bid? And they kind of toss their head back and go, no. And you're like, ah, oh, I know that you just want me to you know, do the dance and get everyone behind you. And so you... Oh, ask the rest see, of the see, audience. They, they're, 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 yeah, they're paying, right? They're saying, oh no, I definitely don't want to bid. And then you're like, Oh, you can oh, tell they yes, want to bid. Exactly. You turn to the rest, like the other 500 people there go, do you think they should bid one more? And everyone starts cheering and they love the cheer. And it's wonderful. It's a wonderful bit of theatre that everyone gets involved with. But then there's some people who, when you ask them to bid, they'll just look at you completely straight and say, no. And you've got to see that they don't want to be Reading the people. They don't yeah. want yeah. to go any but, further. But what's really um, nice about what you've done is 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 there is this this thing of auctioneering, which is fun, is, is you're trying to break it out. You're trying to, oh, successfully, may, may I add, but, you know, and is there a difference, therefore, in the quality of bidders? I.e., yeah. do you have to educate people at the start of auction and say, if you stick your hand up, you know, I'm going to take some fake bids off the wall. There's, there's, yeah. So our our auctions, I set up the auction collective to make buying art a normal everyday practice, or not practice, normal every everyday month. experience. Perhaps every, every six yeah. months. Depends how many hundred thousand. How, how often do you have auctions? We have six to eight a year, um, and I saw you know working at Christie's, wonderful and, and incredible uh, institution, but very intimidating, and. The art market in general is very intimidating. There's so many hidden fees. You go into a gallery, you're not quite sure what the price is for a work and you don't quite know why that white square is £100 and that white square is £10,000. They mm. look the same. Um, 
So I created these auctions and auctions are such a fun way to, to buy something. We made the auctions uh, commission-free for buyers. So what you bid is what you pay. Most auctions, you have to pay VAT on top, a buyer's commission. Is there VAT on art anyway? There, it's a, 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 if I may interrupt, <laughs> the, uh, accountant present here, is the concept of a margin scheme, which is that you pay the difference between what you paid for it and what you sell it for, provided the artist isn't VAT registered. I see. Uh, so in, it's in VAT other words, on the, no on the service, not yeah, on the exactly. Well, you, yeah, on the on the difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. So there's some VAT, unless they're a VAT registered artist, in which case they're quite a successful artist. But we to to make our auctions totally uncomplicated. We have what you bid is what you pay. Yes. So we absorb the VAT into our fees as well. So we take the hit of the VAT. And, and presumably, as it's emerging and and. What was the an unrepresented artists? Yeah. Authenticity isn't isn't ever an issue in a way no. that it is. So interestingly, one of the other ways that we I don't want to say disrupt because it sounds too negative, but we opened up a new market um, is that we work directly with artists. So most auction houses do secondary market sales, which mm. is basically secondhand goods. They work with collectors to help sell their property. Whereas we go to art schools, we go to open studios, go to um, see graduates and go and work with the artists who put auctions together. So it's artwork coming straight from their studios. So you're almost like the agent for the artist. It's, we operate more like a, a gallery. And do you go around, I mean, are you quite selective about who you put on in your auctions? Yeah. Or? Yeah. And do, Fussy. Do, do, <laughs> Curating. Uh, discriminating. <laughs> All different ways of saying the same thing. And but are, and and do you, I mean, do some artists come away from your auctions, you know, broken Pissed hearted? Uh, it is, <laughs> we're we're going to find five different ways of saying that now. So, so go back to your point about educating about uh, people about auctions. At the beginning of all our auctions, um, because we've got so many first-time art buyers and first-time auction buyers, um, I always do a spiel at the beginning to say, um, we've selected all these artists because we love them. We, we love working with them. We believe in their artwork. Um, but it is a luxury retail space. Uh, and some things sell, some things don't sell. It's no reflection on what we think of the artist or the quality of the artwork. And so you kind of set the tone with that. And then when an artwork doesn't sell, which some don't, the artist doesn't think, oh God, I'm really upset. And the whole room doesn't suddenly sigh with um, awkwardness. And is it all paintings or sculptures and things as well? Mix, painting, sculpture, photography, prints. Okay. All sorts. And is, is the yeah. art market... A bit like the life of an artist. Is it a bit like the, the life of a rapper or a musician where there are a few at the very top who earn extraordinary amounts of money and the reality for most of them is that they're pretty penniless? Yeah, and there's a lot there's a lot of similarities with the music industry that sometimes you'll know a singer or an artist, visual artist, who you think has got way more talent than somebody who's right at the top. Okay. But the people who are right at the top, they're more than just their core talent they've got big marketing teams behind them they're the right image there it's it's very similar in the art world and do you see i mean do you look at the you know your your portfolio in a given auction and you think that one's going to sell and but i actually think this guy's really good but this guy just doesn't sell for whatever reason do you get that sort of sometimes I know comedy agents have that <laughs> well because we because we're all our auctions are public and anyone can come anyone can come to the exhibition see it online we even have a um a virtual reality um 
tour of the gallery. So you can go online and, and walk around as if you're in the um, in the galleries. So how are you doing uh, that? Because you, you, what you're mapping and building... We get someone, we do the, set the exhibition up, then we get someone to come in with a 3D scanner and they go through and they spend a couple of hours in the gallery just scanning the entire place. Then afterwards we put links on... Cool health and safety. <laughs> we put links onto each artwork so you can go around and then click on the artwork. And oh, I see. They took a 3D video yeah. picture. This stuff was developed a lot by the military originally as far as... I, no, 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 it was. <laughs> yeah. So they could, they could drive a drone or something through a town and then have a 3D model that you go, there's the bad guys or whatever. But it's, it's okay. And then they can click on the pictures. And, then, and then put their bid in. Um, so oh, that's, wow. yeah, no, it's very exciting. So because that, because it's all our auctions are open to the public, we never know what's going to happen. There may be some completely random people we've never met before who get really excited about one work and, and it and all goes. What's the most expensive yes, work? Yes, that's, that's exactly where I was. Most expensive ever I've ever sold. No, not in, I mean, through modern, I'm uh, not, not through Christie's. Yeah, 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 but through, why not? Okay, well, <laughs> we'll do, we'll do two. We want to know the most expensive one you've ever sold at Christie's and the most expensive, you know, unknown work of art that you've sold. So... I wouldn't say expensive. I'd say it's very good value, but it's high value. Okay. Just minor, minor your inner, value. Your inner estate agent coming out there. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got one. Um, but at Christie's, it was a, a ceramic by Picasso, which ended up selling for, I think it was around 800. Picasso uh, did many ceramics. Oh, he? a huge number. Yeah, yeah. Did he? He wanted to make Picassos for everyone. So every family could have a Picasso. So he made this series of ceramics that you can still buy them now for the a couple irony, of hundred. irony, may I say, of an artist, he wanted his art to be everywhere. Ceramics for everyone and it's the most expensive piece. Most expensive, most delicate as well. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's clearly, it's not a huge number of people able to access but, his ceramics he but, was but the, so But the ceramics, for. some ceramics you can get for under a thousand pounds. Well, you know, don't so all look on, up how much, Amazon. How much so, did this ceramic so, go for? So this, um, this one went for a bit more. This went for about 850000 uh, which plus Christie's buyer's commission, which is an extra 25%. 3.2 million. Plus the uh, VAT and all sorts. Ended up going for above a million. And what was the what was the expected price? Uh, 600000 Okay, so when it was like at eight hundred, were you was your heart going or...? Well... It's, Did you look at the guy and think, he can't afford this? It, it was... <laughs> no, it's a ceramic it. for the people. <laughs> it was... Um, no, it, yeah, with those... The excitement as the auctioneer isn't about the number. It's about the amount of bidding. So okay. you could have something at a million pounds. I see, yeah, you could do it. Just it's, go, it's over too quick. Yeah. You were just starting to get it. What you want is to go for a couple of minutes. Sorry, you're looking at me rather. Yeah, it's the actions when you're doing Sorry. that. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's it's the excitement. It's, you know, a room, when you have an auction, you've got a room full of really passionate collectors, people that love these objects. It's, it's art. It's a really, um, you know, it's fueled with passion and feeling and emotion. And they're all competing in an open field. Anyone can bid all competing for one object. And there's so much energy and so much kind of love for for that object that the bidding can get quite carried away because only one person's going to take it home. I remember when I was um, when I was at Christie's, we had uh, one collector, very uh, good collector, who was, I, I was walking through the building and I saw him leaving the building and he was on floods of tears. He was just an absolute mess and he I tried to stop him and he, and he went straight out the door 
And so thinking, oh, great, we've just pissed off one of our really important clients. I went and spoke to the head of the sale and said, what happened with Mr. So-and-so? And, uh, and she said, oh, he, this is the one work he really wanted. It was a Matisse work on paper. He really wanted this one, but his limit was this, and it went for above that. Five pounds more. <laughs> is that important? And that, um, but, but, would you recommend that, that to people to set a limit before they... Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and that's the way to enjoy it. It's a bit like when you go uh, horse racing, if anyone ever does. The, the old the trick is, is, is agree an amount that you're going to spend two pounds per race is the normal one, 10 races, whatever, put that in one pocket and then winnings you put in the other pocket. It's a system, you know, and it, it just means that you might come out with something in your left pocket as opposed to nothing in any pockets, you know. Uh, do you feel that auctioneering could branch out of art? For the auction collective? Well, yeah, for the auction collective. Could we get into, I mean, you bought your home. I bought my first house in an auction, 140000 On the basis pounds. that it might be cheap? Because the, is, the, the funny thing with an auction is what you almost tell him is it's going to be expensive, but I'm going to get a journey and a story well, and, and, and the artist is, is, you know, what is the value of art? We could sit here all day. But. So so auction prices are, when you look at gallery prices and, and auction prices, auction prices are in general 20% lower as a starting price in a gallery. So if you go into a gallery, you the gallery can only ask for their highest price. You can't go into a gallery and they say, oh yeah, actually, I know you really like it. So it's not 10,000 pounds, it's 15. Mm. They put in the highest price that they, they want to get and they then negotiate down to make the sale. And normally they have about 20% leeway. But what we do and what all auction houses do is you pre-negotiate to the minimum that the artist is happy with, yeah, right. or someone like Christie's, it's where the seller is is happy. Mm -hmm. And then it's the auctioneer's job to negotiate up. So sometimes you might get it on one bid and actually it's a um, total bargain. Um, sometimes the bidding goes higher and higher, but that justifies your price because there's somebody else. You can see, that's another reason why I love auctions is it's such a transparent market. Mm. When you see the bidding happening there and then, so if you go into a gallery and, and a gallery um, owner says, oh, this is £10,000, you kind of look around, you're like, there's no one else in here. Why is this worth £10,000? Yeah. But in an auction, once you've passed the minimum price, which is, you, know, we, you, then, you then see the market happening there and there. You mm. see other people bidding for it and you understand why it's worth it's, it. It's effectively a real market. Yeah. It's a real standing there. There's other people standing next to you willing to pay more. It's a fantastic way of creating FOMO. <laughs> it is. There's, but you're right. There's, I've never... People say... Take a picture of it. Do you, do you ever have um, meet anyone with buyer's regret? And I've never met anyone with buyer's regret. For but an auction? No, I've only met people with underbidder's regret. Uh, no, you know, you make a... Rid that's my point about yeah, the £450 pay. It's the... You think to and my uh, my dear friend, my best friend, you know, since he's been three, but he he rang me up about. He never asked me any advice, but he was asking me advice because he wanted to spend two grand on these five pictures for his house. They were photographs. They were, he sent them to me saying, "Have I lost the plot?" And I said, "No, I think they." I, I, I you know, I lied. I said, they think, no, no, but "No, no." I, <laughs> if you're listening I, I now, thought, no, no, no. Honestly, no. I, I really like them. I thought, yeah, I like them, man. And I said, you appreciate them, and this thing doesn't wear out. It doesn't go mm. off. It, it, you don't get annoyed with it. I don't come down the stairs and go, oh, that bloody picture of that lion that really annoys me. You know, that's not because you, it's the same with music. So back in the day when you used to, it's the whole thing, make someone buy a CD because then they're like, you know, we all, you know, we're all old enough to remember the world where 
we'd invested in 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 our price or whatever it was you know called or wh smith for this cd and we'd go back and we were so annoyed we'd spent money on this shit cd we thought we've got to get everyone to like it you know i've got to promote this cd i've got to say that you know it's a fantastic band that i've bought i'd make myself like it because i and 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 that's an important effect you know it's like you're not going to get annoyed with your own decision in that aspect because your own decision was so subjective in principle, it's not like, oh, you know, I bought this car and it's an absolutely shit car. It's a picture. It doesn't hit you in the head every day. It doesn't drive you to work. It, it just fills a gap in the wall, and you know? You, and when you think about how long you're going to keep a, a work of art for, then you know, if you spread that cost over that time and pretend... Hundreds of generations you could buy. It's not going to wear out. Pretend you're renting it. Easy. I was just... Like when you when you sell your artists, presumably some of your artists sell some of their work through you, and they sell some of their work through you know Agent Y and Gallery X and so on. And but I correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think was it one of the secrets of Saatchi's success as an art collector, and then by extension the artist whose art he bought was the fact that he bought everything. So he had a monopoly on it, and Saatchi bought everything. I think he would do. You're going. You, I, I don't we're know about the to be told. Saatchi, yeah. Well, I think he. I'm. I'm going to be corrected here. So I'll let me start with the. What I understand is he would like. You know, he saw young artist A who he liked, and he would buy everything they'd done, and thereby he would he would own that artist, uh, and he effectively created a monopoly. Yeah, I mean, for an artist to grow, they need to have. Um, they need to have exposure in lots of different areas. They have to get lots of different exhibitions, group shows, solo exhibitions, international exhibitions, and to really make it get placed into public collections. So often with the big mega galleries like White Cube and Gagosian, when you buy, um, if you want to buy one of the artworks, often there's a, we'll let you buy this work if you can also buy this one and donate it to this gallery because we want to place the artist in this museum so that then the reputation of the artist grows. Um, Charles Saatchi... And you would have to give it to that museum? Yeah. You couldn't own it and display it in that museum? Well, it depends what your what, what the deal arrangement is. Okay. is. Um, but Charles Saatchi had a... He did... Uh, very well at supporting the artists, the YBAs in the in the nineties, um, and then carried on buying lots of artists today. Sometimes going to a degree show and buying the whole lot, um, which could be good for the artist, could be bad. So if if the buyer say not such, but if it if somebody bought an entire group show of one artist and they didn't put them out on public display and they didn't put them in other exhibitions and help that artist grow, then that'd be really bad. If they That's bought this it, story of the Phantom of the Opera. If they bought it and then just sat on it and expected everyone else to do it, but you've got this entire monopoly, you've yeah. bought like some students spend, you know, three years, four years on their art course, they do their final year project. And if somebody buys all of that up and then sits on it, then yeah. Talking okay. of sitting on art, something I've learned, which is a very depressing thing, is if you're a tax advisor you want to get your art offshore and you want to trade it offshore. And so it turns out in, in various offshore territories, there's these enormous warehouses full of art that no one's looking at, but is accumulating value. So if, you were, if you're wealthy and you want to find a way, you buy art and then you move it offshore and you know, accumulate so We should value. open galleries in 
Gibraltar and Absolutely. the Isle of Man. Gibraltar, and... Isle of Man. You, you're hitting all well, the you... nails on the head. Singapore. You need you need to pick all the and they've got all these. You know, and it's very. It was it, it was a business I was dealing with. It made me very sad to know they were like, well, we've got to get it all offshore and pack it up and put it in. Yeah. And I was like. Put it, you know, fucking stick it on the wall somewhere, please. You well, know? this art is very different to what we deal with at the Auction Collective. We're all sub below, well, below ten thousand pounds. It's all emerging artists, um, but some buyers do keep the works in a free port in, you know, Switzerland or Luxembourg. Bring it into the UK on a temporary license to sell. Then they'd sell it. And then if the buyer takes it back to Switzerland, they don't have to pay any import tax. What's what's the most important thing that happens next? I mean, you've got, you know, and 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 I would invite anyone to go. You know, you've you you you've you've got the events. It's an opportunity to go have fun, have a drink, get a part of it. And and you you the artists you represent, serious artists. You've obviously got an art an eye for it. And 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 then when I say the guy on Sun Records, that's kind of what I mean. Is what's very important in music and all of these things is people who've got an eye. Because frankly, a lot of us have got terrible taste if we don't, you know, we don't really understand it. So, you know, just having a sense of someone who who has a skill, you know, um, what's what's sort of, you know, the mo- what do you see the year ahead? Do, for for, for us you, as a business. You, yeah. So we have uh, six auctions planned for next year. The first one, this is, your, well, you love this one. We've talked about this before. It's celebrating the visual arts of the music industry. So... <laughs> When you think about your favourite musicians, think about your favourite band or a singer or a jazz player, 70% is about the music itself. But then there's 30%, 30% that is the visuals. It's the album cover of that album that you love. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, photography of the artist. Well, on a very tour. important thing I've known over the years is people want to know what a musician looks like. Yeah. So a lot of people want to put abstract pictures on the front of their covers, but what you really want, it's the Barry comment. You must look like you sound. And it's a, it's a, I try and use it and it's a very powerful statement because it's, it's, you've really got to, because if you don't, it's the same when you sell a commercial good, so you're selling skincare or you're selling a packet of cereal, when people pick it up, there's a, a logic going on. I want some music. I want some cereal. I want some skincare. But then the emotional thing that goes on is, is there anything I feel uncomfortable with? Is there anything that during this purchase feels odd, you know? And if you pick something up, you pick up a musician and the cover art's weird. You're buying a heavy metal album, but it doesn't look like a heavy metal album or whatever, anything to offset mm. you. So the art is very so important. Like, you know, Cypress Hill is a famous yeah. example of when they went off cue, but they actually hit it on the nail because they were a strange hip hop band or, you know, you know, Zeppelin, you know, uh, there's some interesting uh, examples of people who really struck the chord right. So it's so that so it's really important part of the visual arts for the music industry is so important. So we are putting on an exhibition and auction that celebrates the visual artists working in the music industry today. So we will be auctioning original album artwork. So if somebody did a painting for uh, an album, we'll have the original painting in the auction. Uh, music photography, um, some posters. We've got original design and poster work. Some wood wood blocks there that were created for a. a so the theme. So you you like to create themes attached to the yeah. auctions, do you? This one's about music. This, this one's, one's about gardening. Well, so so we've got the music music one, and then we've got a street art one in April. So that's urban art, street art. That's the graffiti and uh, and all sorts. Then we have one in October that is very emerging art, new artists. This one is called To My Twenties. 
And it's after a poem by a poet called Kenneth Koch, who was an American poet, who when he was in his 80s, he wrote a poem to his 20s, an ode to his 20s, saying, my 20s were amazing. In my 20s, I went to Paris. In my 20s, I got married. In my 20s, I did this. And he just raves about his 20s, this wonderful creative time for him. So inspired by that, we're putting on a show of artists that are in their 20s today. Oh, wow. But you know, the truth is, this guy wrote a book recently, is you're much happier in your later years, and you're very uh, anxious and upset. Well, we won't tell our artists. But you know, but a thing that really bugs me... If you, you might be about- happier, but you're not necessarily more creative. True. That's true. And, but creativity is, I'm, I'm most creative when I'm most unhappy. Yeah. When I'm most upset. Yeah, you break I, I, up with I had girl, a very happy you? period recently and it was annoying. I wasn't, I wasn't creating anything. And then I got very bad tinnitus and started creating. Look at the, look isn't at, life wonderful? I know I'm not allowed to mention it, but look at Brexit. It's been the most fantastic force <gasps> oh, of creativity. You know, everyone says, so, what's the upside of Brexit? Yeah. I'm like, well, the fucking music will get better. The more yeah. fucked up London gets, the more, the, you know, let's take us back. Go on, so, go on. So this is this really exciting point. So we also have um, seasonal auctions throughout the year which are, they don't have a specific theme. They're a mixed mixed group of artworks, uh, lower price points, so it's kind of more of an entry level for people to get involved in collecting. But we curate a, a few a section within each seasonal auction, and this one is called History in the Making, and it is, uh, we asked a group of artists to make a comment and create an artwork based on 2019. And so we've got some artwork of um, environmental work. Uh, We've got pro-Brexit pieces, one that says Brexit, Brexit. And then we've got anti-Brexit ones and then pro-Brexit as well next to each other to get the equal voice. Uh, We've got photographs of rioters at the Extinction Rebellion. And my favourite one, we have somebody that's done an artwork that celebrates Greg's release of the vegan sausage roll. Oh, fantastic. Steak it's genius. So, so that's really exciting because we're getting the artists to look at everything that's happening today, society, politics, culture, and make a comment on it. For And, and what, is, what is, of your modern works of art, um, you know, the non-Christie stuff, what is the most expensive work of art that went? How much did it go from? What was it? In our auctions at the Auction Collective, yes. uh, we had a... Uh, a beautiful um, work recently that went for eight thousand uh, pounds. That was of a as a photograph of a chalkboard from Stanford University, and it was of uh, not astrophysics, but a high level, some physics. really important yeah. equation or something. And okay. uh, and it did. Yeah, it was okay, just, so I, I it just see, like I a, get it now. Yeah, sorry. It's, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a great work. I, I really loved it too. Doesn't sound like it. Uh, but then we also had one that... There must be more than one photograph, though. We could make several photographs, couldn't we? It's limited edition. Limited edition, exactly. But one of the most exciting ones that we had uh, recently was estimate of two to three thousand uh, pounds, and it sold for six and a half thousand um, pounds. And that was just because it was a, a big painting of a bucket, rusting bucket, and it just said, fuck it, on it. And so it was a fuck it bucket, and people got really excited about that, and so went... Beyond okay. the well, beyond the high estimate. And what's the lowest? What's the cheapest? Uh, the lowest, not cheapest, because nothing's Sorry, cheap and tatty I, I in our auctions. We recall we need to paint our a boaty we recall, face, yeah. I feel. That could that could that could be a new high winner or a, a, a fucky mcfucky. <laughs> so we have stuff that starts around fifty pounds, a hundred pounds. Okay. 
And and so and ordinary people just pick that up. Yep. What it, it, could we work up to the Albert Hall? I mean, can we go? We can't big? auction that off. Yeah. Well, well no. <laughs> <laughs> well, quite. It probably needs... Uh, anyway, but um, Westfield are eyeing it up, I'm sure, at this moment. But, uh, you know, could we... You know, there's the intimacy mm. about it. You know, do we think we could go big? Could we go Wembley Stadium big? With with the auction? Yeah, collected. what's the biggest room we feel? Well, our biggest auction, we had about 250 people turn up. Too many? Yeah, that was, that was a lot, attending to... Um, it's quite noisy. There's lots of energy and excitement. Lots of there. noise. That's interesting. You got a, you got you need a good sound system. You've got a what's gavel. The, what's the typical gavel? typical sizes? Sorry, we normally have a hundred and hundred and fifty okay. people, um, and that's what makes our because our auctions are fun, open, welcoming. People turn up just to to see what's yeah. going on. Turn up to see the theatre, unlike a Christie's or Sotheby's auction where it's a bit more. Um, uh, unwelcoming I'd be very intimidated uh, to go on even as an accountant uh, but <laughs> an well, accountant. I, I do, if we have swell. a recession now you know pornography booze fags these things tend to do well during a recession just buying art is that that's a luxury thing that that, that it, it, let's just suggest I'm just going to suggest that we have a rough couple of years you know it's it's a funny one because you think about you know charity donations or or luxury people holding their their money back. But actually when it's artwork and you're in love with an object, because it is, it can be such an emotional connection mm. and it's the only time that object's going to come up at auction, it's the only one, it's unique, then it doesn't really matter what's, what else is going emotional on. Emotional connection is strange and you're absolutely right. I mean, this picture I keep talking about, I mean, it's a woman walking down some street. I don't know, I feel, I feel something for it and I can't, I never put my finger on it, you know. And actually, maybe there's a thing about we're blind to our own, we're blind to ourselves effectively and maybe art helps us, helps us have some idea of the things that resonate with us, you know, that we, we, we see a picture of a giant apple and we think, oh my God, that really... I, I would um, really recommend people, this is me speaking with my financial writer's hat on, I would really recommend people to come to your auctions and look around, and if they see a young artist who they like, to, you know, spend a couple or 500 quid or whatever it is and buy something by that artist. Because there are two f reasons for that. It's firstly, whatever you buy will give you some pleasure. You'll put it up in your house, you'll remember the story, Absolutely. you'll look at the work of art, so you'll get pleasure from it. But on the other hand, just from a purely financial point of view, effectively, you're making an investment in somebody that's young. And you're much better off investing in young people than you are in old people because they've got many more years ahead of them and they're likely to get better, not worse, as they get older. And so, and you know, it, it might be that the guy whose work of art you you buy turns out to be nothing, you know, no great entity, but it might be he turns out to be, you know, quite a good artist. And then every now and then you might stumble on a hit. But from a from a from a simple risk management point of view. You know, the, the worst that can happen is that you get a work of art that you like in your house. Yeah, That's the worst outcome. So it's actually a very, it's a good investment for somebody who's, you know, maybe doesn't have enough money to go and buy, you know, 10 grand's worth of stock in BP or something. It, it's, it, you know, so a far well, more let's better say, let's say, it let's say it costs a thousand pounds in three years, a pound a day. You, 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 you've paid it back. Let's say sure. it, if it gives years. you a pound of pleasure. A day, yeah, so. it, you know, and we buy a cup of coffee. 
that frankly it will cost us five mm. pounds and probably be bad for us. But you know, we 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 yeah. we we attach these values that we're quite happy to spend a pound on the most ridiculous things. But so, do you think a the the artists are healthy in this country, and do you think the industry is is moving in the right direction? Yeah, well, we have an incredible amount of talent in this in this country, um, and it's so exciting to be at the at the front of that, seeing these graduates come out and. Um, yeah, it's it's wonderful to see that and be. Is it right important that they're graduates that they go to university? No, and do but we, art no, not always. But you're seeing these people that are these are the people that are fresh out of these. The first time they're creating something and putting it in the public space. Um, but in terms of the the market, uh, a lot of middle market galleries. So the top end, the big mega galleries that have hundreds of millions turning over, um, they're going to do all right. They they're doing very well. They keep growing internationally into new uh, geographies. But the middle markets uh, that sell maybe 5,000 to a couple of works going at 200,000 or 100,000 or lower, they are struggling at the moment because of high rents. All the rent spaces are going up. Um, and so we're seeing a big decline in that and a lot of those galleries moving to online-only uh, sales, which is really interesting, mm. which is not something that we at the auction collective will ever do. Um, but but the but the online stuff, we I definitely believe in an aura of an artwork that you stand in front of it yeah. and you can see it. You can see the framing, you get see the texture. But then there's something that speaks to you that it doesn't when it's it's online. Yeah, I call him Leonardo Caprio, Leonardo da, Vin da Vinci. I always feel this work is very overrated. Don't we feel? You know, the aura. This obviously has an aura as an artwork, but I don't know, in a box in the edge of a room, I, I don't really, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, anyway. I mean, I guess that's 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 the thing about an artist. Why are some more appealing than others? And it's a combination of, there's a little bit of marketing involved, but there's something about, it resonates. I guess there's something about it, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and so we will always keep doing physical exhibitions and physical auctions because going back to the point at the very beginning is there's nothing more exciting or thrilling in your your retail, your buying experience than bidding yeah. in an auction. On that note, I'm just going to say one, I, I remember going to Cornwall uh, and we just stumbled into a gallery in Cornwall and there was this woman who was painting farm animals and she painted this pig and it had this most magnificent, haughty, a contemptuous expression on it, but on the face of a pig, and and it was just so wonderfully regal, and and it was just. And I'm, I'm, I, bought, I can't remember how much I paid five hundred quid or something, and we I framed it in this huge, ridiculously over the top gold frame to just add to the whole ornateness of the thing. And I've got no idea what that work of art is worth now, but it's brought me so much comic pleasure over the years. I've never regretted it. But the now I want to go back to as as we finish now. You're very first point about um the pleasure in an auction it like i mean I've, I've been to auctions and there's guys who've paid extraordinary amounts of money for something and then the auction and they win they win the auction they pay the most money and you kind of think you, you'd regret that because you always want to be the clever guy and pay less than something's worth when you buy something but then the auctioneer goes well done doesn't he? And it's the real sort of congratulation there. It's a bit like when you order food, if they say excellent choice. So. Yeah, I, I, feel, a bit I like feel that. pleased about that. But do you, so you never, you, surely you must have encountered instances where people have overpaid. 
Well, because it's <laughs> that's such a yeah. Because it's because you go to the auction thing, you're going to well, get something. How can you overpay cheap, for something? You? But you, how can you overpay for something that no one knows what it's worth? Well, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a very it's a very interesting point. And it's in its artwork that your value is a, an equation of your love for it, and your public embarrassment. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. your your ability as a salesman. And I suppose the more you pay for it, the more its value goes up. Well, how do you value something except on yeah, the on price that's being paid yeah. on that day at that moment? Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's 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 such a subjective area that you can't you know as much as one painting might be similar to the other. How do Christie's do it? They put values or do they put minimums? They put values. They put estimates and and minimums. Estimates, yeah. which is like so that's what we we have as well. We have you know the. The low estimate. What you stare at, and he said, "Well, I won't say it for less than fifty quid." And you look at it and think, "Well, it's not worth thirty quid, but I'll put 70 I mean, what? How do you, you know? So, so that goes back to the gallery price, where you, you know, if somebody's been selling at ten thousand pounds, and you go twenty percent lower is the low estimate, and the high estimate would. Oh, so you look at the other things they've sold, them as an artist, where they go in the trajectory, the size of the piece, the complexity of the piece, and comparables. When you do that thing that Darren Brown and people do it to you when they're trying to get you to pay something, they just plant a number. So I'll keep saying in the conversation five, (laughs) and they'll just keep mentioning five. That's a really good idea. And then that plants. A number Have of people said Darren heads Brown doing an auction worth. for you. That would be a terribly fun thing. Get Darren down and say anchoring. Anchoring is anchoring. The word. Yeah, yeah, anchoring. So we should. So at the beginning of the auction, I should say, "Oh, it's wonderful. We had you know millions of artists yeah. trying to put works into this auction, but we didn't take them all." And the address is at number mm. one million. One million street. Yeah. We need to change and, the name. I think just change the name of the auction house to the billion dollar auction house. Excellent. <laughs> no, no, you want to pitch it just right. See, what you want is the uh, seven thousand pound auction house, isn't it? It's seven thousand. Seven thousand pounds. Yeah. Done. That's how much you want to make, Tom. As we close, um, why don't you give out? Have you got some something you want to plug? Something you want to mention? Some social media, a website. So it isn't called the Billion Dollar Auction House yet, but whilst it's still called The Auction Collective, you can head to the website, which is theauctioncollective.com. You sign up to our mailing list where you'll see all our future auctions um, and follow us on any social media channel. We're on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, And if you want... Not Snapchat. (laughs) Not Snapchat, yeah. Uh, And if you want to get involved, then just drop us a line. Great stuff. Well, thank Tom you. Best, thank you very much. And Mr. Ori, um, do you want to close the show or shall I close the show? Um, thank you, Dominic, for your excellent company. Tom, great chat. And make sure you subscribe to the show so you catch the next episode of Business Without <laughs> Until then, from Andy Ori and me, Dominic Frisbee, it's cheerio. <laughs> <laughs>